I'm Bryony Kennedy and you're listening to the Beauty, Business and Babies podcast brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. In the last 10 years of building Adorn Cosmetics, having three children and advocating for more ethical beauty standards in the beauty industry, I've become intimately aware of what it's like to wrestle with the different areas of my life. Every fortnight, I'll share the tears and triumphs that I experienced when starting my ethical conscious beauty company dealing with depression and caring for my children. My hope is that you'll grow to know it's okay to have imperfect days, that you are not alone in feeling like a mess, and that you'll be inspired to commit to small but bold actions each and every day. Welcome to episode two of Beauty, Business and Babies brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. I'm Bryony Kennedy and I'm joined again by my producer Michelle from the Peers Project. Today we're diving deeper into the world of beauty and business and how we can reconcile the tension we often feel between making a living to support ourselves and our families and pursuing something we're passionate about. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited for this second episode. I think it's such an important and timely topic. You know, especially in the current climate, there's people are realizing that they really can do what they're passionate about and do what they care about and make a living off it. Thanks to platforms like the social, social media, you know, we really do hear these stories of women starting businesses, of, you know, doing these phenomenal things. I think it can make us feel, sometimes it can make us feel though that maybe we're behind. Yeah. You know, maybe, you know, if we haven't. It's a double-edged sword, isn't isn't it really? Yeah. Isn't it? You know, maybe if we haven't started something or we we are just a mum or we, you know, just have our job, Mm. maybe we're not good enough. Yeah. I guess, what's your take on this? Yeah, I think that we are faced with more opportunity than ever and That's amazing, but I also think that it's having a negative impact because people are seeing all of these amazing things that people do and let's face it, most of us uh, put all the the fluffy stuff out there, not the not-so-great stuff. And so people that are watching or, or, or tracking what these businesses or women or men are doing for inspiration, they're often getting caught up in what they see, that that gloss, but they're not seeing what that person has gone through to get there or maybe that person haven't, hasn't even got where they look like they are. It's just a whole facade. Like, you, let's face it, there's a lot of that too. You know, I remember being a kid and, you know, at the time you had to be absolutely loaded to get on a plane. Like now, you know, it's it, it's $100 <laughs> to get somewhere. <laughs> you know, the opportunities, things have become cheaper. There's more things available. It is easier to get into business, whether how you define business, whether that's something that you do at home because it's a hobby and you love it and you make some money out of it to something that's that's quite huge, global even. It's, it's so much easier to do things, to access things and I think that's great but again, yes, as I said, it's also I think a little bit detrimental to probably the mental health of some people because they are aspiring to these things and that's great if you truly want to be that person or in that industry or you want to learn from that person that's great but don't be searching for people to give you inspiration and then feel that you are somehow less of a person because that's not what you're doing you know whether you are at this moment in time and it's all about moments I have 
had many years of teaching myself this and it's something that I have to practice now even to this day because I am a long time sufferer of anxiety high functioning anxiety I guess but for me I'm, I'm very much about okay you really have no control over anything other than talking to Michelle right now you can't do it and I think that you need to practice this bringing back to okay right now you're on the toilet that's all you can do or you're about to have breakfast or you're in the car going to your job just get to your job like just focus on the moment that you're in and make that purposeful because if you're constantly living with what if and when I can do this and when I'm this skinny or when I'm this rich or when my hair looks like you're not ever embracing what's in front of you and I think that's a regret that people will often look back on and think when you're 50 or 60 or 70, oh my God, I thought I had wrinkles when I was 40 and I, I, I was like hiding behind and geez, look at me now. I wish I enjoyed it. Like I look at when I was 14, 15 and I would wear these ridiculously huge t-shirts that were like size 16 over my bikinis because I thought I was fat. Oh. And I think, I look now and I Tiny. think, what the hell? What, the, what, are you, what, what were you worrying about then? Like, you know, and I think it is. It's about just trying to get back into that moment. And I know that that doesn't work for everybody. It is a practice that you need to, you have to get into the habit of accepting that and teaching yourself that. And I promise that if you can do that, it'll hold you in good stead for good mental health and happiness because we often are just constantly aspiring to be something or someone else. And it's, again, it's, really okay if you're content being at home with your kids or if you're if if you are content hand making cards and candles and selling them at a market you don't have to take that global just because someone else is you don't have to do that if you if you're content with that that's okay like it's if you're happy uh being a makeup artist you don't have to start another adorn just because i did it's all about that contentment and that contentment in the moment and accepting okay right now maybe i'm not even in the moment i want to be in but i will be eventually and look, I've had lots of moments I've not been content in, but I've just had to accept it for what it is at that time because the alternative is you drive yourself crazy or you, you get yourself into a, a, a depression or the anxiety and then it becomes so consuming that you become stuck. You're stuck in a moment of fear, anxiety, of, of you know, that lump in your throat because it's so overwhelming, you don't even know where to start and it's because you've just you've just incapacitated yourself that you can't do anything because you're just so stuck with worrying about what if and maybe and if only and it's it's just not healthy. It's not healthy at all and I think unfortunately though so many of us find ourselves in that spot. Mm. We find ourselves stuck and we just think how did I even get here mm. you know and so I guess what I'd love to dive into now is what were some of those times where you felt stuck? I mean, you you mentioned that, you know, you went through all those different types of jobs and then you started that salon, you know, back in your 20s. You know, was there a time there and then you were looking to sell it off, that you were selling off, that you just felt really stuck? Was there something that sticks out to you that you remember? Um, I don't know that I've ever felt stuck in a situation because I think naturally my 
personality is to acknowledge when something's not right and I just can't stomach sticking something out that I'm not happy with um and so for me that's just a natural thing that I'm like this is not good or I don't like this or I'm just not and I I will end things that I'm not comfortable with and again I think that may be a personality trait or some a, a learnt behavior that you need to learn to recognize your gut feeling because that really was given to you for a reason it's a signal to say this situation for you is not correct and or not right and you need to get out of it and I think the minute we stop listening to that gut is when we get stuck in situations we're not happy with or or relationships we're not happy with friendships we're not happy with jobs so I think it's about learning to listen to that gut feeling because that's telling you that there's something not right it doesn't mean however that you have to have the answer because a lot of people will look for that gut feeling or or, oh I don't want to be here but I don't know what else I want to do so don't worry about the how or the when but worry about and not worry but just acknowledge the feeling because that's telling you that something's not right and you need to make a change worry about what that change is going to be later but deal with the situation that you're feeling stuck in by listening to that gut instinct. And I think that, you know, women in particular have a really good gut instinct, but we do often get overwhelmed with, you know, we might have families or or responsibilities or that feeling of nurturing and you don't want to let someone down or you don't want to hurt someone's feelings. So we tend to stay stuck in situations maybe a little bit longer. And And so do guys. Like, I mean, it's just, it's that whole thing of not wanting to ripple anything, isn't it? You just don't want to upset the apple cart, as they say. So I think, though, that whilst you might cause some temporary pain to yourself or someone else, you need to acknowledge those feelings of feeling stuck and moving on. For me, I guess in the salon, I, you know, look, from a financial point of view, it was really stressful. It was, you know, one of those businesses that, uh, you know, being a service-based business, you're only earning as much service as you can put in. And then, you know, you've got cancellations to deal with. You still have to pay staff. So for me, there was always a lot of financial pressure and I think obviously being the age I was I probably never realized that I needed as much money as I did to get it going I probably needed a hundred times what I thought I needed (laughs) (laughs) Um, so it was it was that but also for me as much as I enjoyed it I loved the I, I love creating things like I could just invent a business idea and then put it together. I just love that side of things. I just, to me, I'm just naturally a business person. I just find the whole thing around it really interesting. But once I'd done all I could do, my gut instinct was, you're done now. Like it's, you're done. So you need to move on. So I, I never feel stuck because I do acknowledge that feeling of needing to move on. And then I do. I just put it in place what needs to be done. It might not be right that moment, but I just start the steps of what needs to be done. Um, I just refuse to feel stuck. I don't know. I get, I get a, my feeling of when I'm stuck or about to be stuck, I get like a claustrophobic feeling. And it's like a bit of, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a panic, like almost feel a bit panicky in my chest. So when I get that, I'm like, this situation's got to change. So I think again, it's just getting back to that point of acknowledging how you're feeling and, and moving on. And lucky for me, I sold the salon I did because like a week later I found out I was having twins. Yes. Oh. <laughs> so, what timing. Oh, oh my The world's goodness. aligned there, I can tell you now. Wow. Wow. I remember I was getting waxed actually. Like I just sold the salon as you do. I was getting waxed. I'll clarify it was my legs. Yeah. Um, so I was getting my legs waxed and I thought, what? what on 
earth? This is so painful. What the hell? I was like, this is really painful, like more than normal. And so I was asking one of the girls, like, what? what are you doing? Is this, you know, she said, no, I'm doing the same sort of thing. And, and so I went home and I thought, this is weird. And I, so I did a, a, a pregnancy test and, and I, and my husband wasn't even home. So I was like, oh, this is not, can't be right. <laughs> and then I just remember looking at the stick going, wow, okay, wow. So I'm pregnant and we've sold the business. So that's all good. That was meant to be. But yeah, it was really lucky because then obviously, you know, when I could find out, I found out I was having twins. So thank goodness. Cause I don't know how <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how people do twins in, in general, yeah. let alone. No, I you don't. Know. And I had to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Once more than enough. No. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, oh my goodness. I, I love that. And I think it's funny how things just happen in that flow. You yeah. know, sometimes it is that it's just like that was meant to happen mm-hmm. at that time. Oh my goodness. Something I find interesting that you mentioned and that I'd love a bit more clarity on is when you said that we have to learn to li- better listen to our guts. Mm you know, our gut feel. I think that's so important. How can we better do that? Yeah. You yeah. Know? I think, again, it's just you've got senses and it's it's honestly just as simple as acknowledging feeling uncomfortable because I think that's where it starts. It's that feeling of being uncomfortable in a situation and you just have to say, okay, is this situation I'm uncomfortable with for a few minutes or I'm just uncomfortable with the whole situation. And it's just removing yourself from it. It's no different to maybe being in a group sitting with some people and maybe the conversation that's occurring you're not comfortable with. So you remove yourself from that conversation because that's not who you are. And I think it it is. It's just acknowledging that feeling of discomfort and I don't want to be a part of this and then accepting that and okay, the reality of that might be a bit scary, but then taking the steps to to move on to do something else. Um, and, you know, whether that's moving on from friends, relationships, work, uh, whatever it might be, it is a slow process of just mo- removing yourself from that situation. And it's okay, you're not letting anyone down. Uh, the only person you have to worry about in this life really is yourself and that's the only person you can ultimately control Um, even if you've got children you know they're not yours to own like it's you so it's about nurturing yourself and and your feelings and what's going to make you happy and what works for you and sometimes the situations change like you might be uncomfortable in a situation but maybe it's because you're stepping out of your comfort zone so that's okay I've definitely put myself in situations where I have stepped out of my comfort zone like public speaking was probably one for me, I've always wanted to be able to just stand up in front of an audience and talk. And so I've just put myself in those situations where I've had to and I've literally wanted to vomit everywhere. <laughs> so, you know, I might have held my shit together and sounded like I was all right, but literally wanted to die in my pants. But I just put myself through it. But then if you don't want to ever learn to talk in public, don't force yourself to aspire to that either. Like it's it's just if you have this ideal of what you would like to be, then Maybe you do have to step out of your comfort zone for some things, but if you're uncomfortable with a situation and it's giving you that not a good feeling, then it's probably because the situation's not right for you and it's just working around that or working towards how you can be comfortable in that situation or how to remove yourself from the situation. Hmm. 
I love that. I think you made that distinction so right. You know, I think there are two types of uncomfortable. There's that Mm. type that's just really not right. Like you feel it to your core and you're like, this I need to remove Mm. now. And then there's that type where you're like, oh, I know this feels really annoying and like, you know, standing up for you public speaking, for me it's been pushing through the first early years of business, you Mm. know, and but then also knowing but it what I'm doing does deep down feel like what I should be doing. Yes. You know? And so I think that that is, it's so great you made that distinction there. I think especially us as women, we have this tendency of kind of always wanting to maybe not rock the boat. Mm. And like, you know, if something is uncomfortable, I just won't say it. Oh, don't worry. It's all good. You know, how can we, I guess firstly, has there been a time in your life that Mm. you've kind of wrestled with that and then secondly how can we actually get better as women of speaking up when things aren't right yeah I I, again I think that's something you're either naturally able to do um or it's something that you need to to practice and again all things become easier with practice and you don't have to straight away become an outspoken person but let's face it not all outspoken people have the diplomacy to say things the right way either. So it's it's about, the yes, having the confidence to say and do what you want, but also I think understanding when even what you're thinking is right, not needing to say anything at all. So I think there's a, there's a, you need to distinguish that. Like, so for me, if I feel that a situation is impacting me or someone I care about or a situation that involves me and I'm not, I don't like the situation, then I will say something about it. You know, yes, you feel like, oh, but they're going to be upset and they're going to, but then I think, you know what, no, I need to remove the emotion from this. So I try to, and again, it's something I've had to practice over the years, especially being responsible for staff and and things like that. Like you you do sometimes have to make some hard calls and have some hard conversations and and having children and all different relationships. There's a a knack almost for relationships, isn't there? You know, the communication, it's all about that communication and knowing when to communicate something and when you probably don't need to. And again, that comes down to just reading the signals within yourself and the situation. But I think you never want to have the regret that you could have said something about a situation that impacts you. And again, I think that's about respecting yourself enough and what you want in life to say, okay, well, look, I I don't have the answers, but I just don't feel right about this. But again, I don't feel like people stand up for themselves, one, because they don't have the answer. They feel like, well, I, I don't like this, but I don't have the solution either, and, and he or she's better than me, so who am I to say anything? You don't have to have the answers. It's just about saying, look, I'm not really comfortable with this and can I just have a moment to think about it or or I think what you said is not completely fair. That's why you just have to make a statement. You don't need to provide a solution. And I think, again, that's the fear of being judged and the fear of not feeling that you're good enough. But ultimately, we're all blood and bone and we are all just as important as each other. And it's about you know you just being able to say, I'm not comfortable in this situation and acknowledge that you're important enough to do that but not have the answers necessarily sometimes they just come to you over time oh I couldn't agree more and I think it was just so well said not we don't need to have those answers just right now you know and so I think 
I'd love to dive a bit deeper into just that time after you'd sold the salon, you were found out you were pregnant and, you know, you didn't have the answers. So, you know, talk us through that time there. What were you feeling? You know, what was next for you? Did you know how to handle yourself? Mm. Look, I found out I was pregnant, obviously, and then I, after about five or six weeks, got extremely ill, really badly sick. And back then, I don't think there was much known about hyperemesis or HG. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the second word, gravidorium or something. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's Princess uh, Mary, I think she had that, that sickness that was all, and she probably put some spotlight on it. But my boys are nearly 12. So yeah, 12, 13 years ago, I was so sick at about five weeks and like it debilitating illness. I could not even sip water without being sick. Any smell, like I literally had those Vicks sniffer things up my nose 24-7 because anything that smelt not that, I it would just make me sick. So, you know, I lost a lot of weight. I was couch and bedridden. It was, it's almost like the worst hangover you've ever had in your life, but it never goes. Oh, no. It was just and, – and for me, it was just soul-destroying because I wanted to die. Look, I have to be honest, and I'm not saying that lightly. I just thought I can't go through with this. Like, this is just hell on earth. I So for me um, – you know, there was lots of trips to the hospital on drips and things like that. You know, they put me on these wafers that, you know, they give to cancer patients for nausea. That didn't work. Like, nothing worked and, and it was just not well known. So, most doctors would just say, have a bit of ginger and you'd want to punch them in the yeah. face. So, if it was that simple, mate, I wouldn't be here. Correct. Um, <laughs> so, I think for me, being that sick for so long, right up until they were born, I think I was going to... I was already depressed because I was housebound and no one wants to feel that sick for 10 months. And my, my boys had to be induced because they were just so comfortable they didn't want to come out. So I was, <laughs> I'm glad you are because I'm not. <laughs> so so for me, I think that and then obviously having twins and first-time mum, you know, it was all too much. It was just all too much. And, yet yeah, again, those expectations of what I thought that I should be like. So for me, I ended up being diagnosed with really bad depression or postnatal depression so I I went to a sleep school my mum I think you know everybody just thinks oh you're tired you need sleep you know no one knows how to diagnose depression and no one wants to I think because they feel like if if someone they know has got depression maybe it's their fault they weren't there for them enough I think there's a bit of that so I went to a sleep school because everyone thought I just needed sleep with the boys and they diagnosed me in there and then I was put on medication for that, which was which was good because it, it definitely helped my situation. Definitely wasn't the complete answer because for me, I had to then grapple with. I don't know. I guess my. I felt probably let still let down by myself. I hadn't acknowledged that I had a mental illness. I I still was feeling it was more that I had failed. So it, I think that the depression was very difficult to heal because I felt that it was the challenge now to not have it. Like, I'm going to get rid of the depression because I'm stronger than this nonsense. So I think that was a really hard uh, snowball effect to get to get out of because it was that whole, I'm going to just purposefully will myself out of this and not acknowledge that there's an issue. Yes, I'll have a tablet, but I'm going to deal with it. So 
it was a really hard time and, you know, you, when you're on medication, it's trying to find the right medication and the right dose and then you've got the side effects from that for a while and then and you're still... babies. Yeah, or- and you're still sleep deprived from, from that as well. So it's not really an easy thing to, to start healing because, yeah, obviously sleep deprivation then pushes depression and it's just a roller coaster. So it was not a great time of my life, I can, I can say. There was definitely moments where I thought, I'm going to put these kids on the curb and hope someone takes them because I just can't do this anymore. You know, just bouts of anger, you know, moments my husband felt too scared to even leave me home on my own with them, you know, which is heartbreaking. So yeah, it was, it was a really hard, tragic time for Matthew and I, definitely. But we got through it and I and I have to say that I'm really lucky that I had such an amazing partner that, you know, whilst I know now there was times he didn't even want to come home because he didn't want to have to deal with what was going on. He was scared of even answering the phone because he knew chances were I was screaming or crying or something. But we, we got through it and it took many, many, many years, but it, it we did eventually get through it just through everybody being supportive and for me I I guess I just got to the point where I thought if you are that down that you would rather die speaking about this can't be worse so for me it was again making a a judgment call in my very shady smoky brain that wasn't working it was just the whole look I know you feel like you do want to die because this feeling it's and and it's funny when you're it's not funny when you're depressed and you're in that moment and you don't genuinely want to live it's not because you don't you you don't want to die you just want to stop the feeling and this is what people don't understand you know with suicide and things like that I don't think too many people actually want to die it's it's a way of stopping a feeling and unfortunately dying then isn't is is a life that's that's it you've that's decisions just forever but for me I acknowledged that it was the feeling I wanted to stop not my life even though I felt like I wanted to stop my life. And so I thought, well, what's the worst case I die or I have to talk about this with people because even if they don't understand it, I just have to keep talking about it so people understand that I'm not in a good place, that, you know, yeah, I have just screamed at my two newborn children. I have slammed a door on them, literally on them, but on them and shut them in a room or, you know, I have wanted to throw things at them. I have wanted to, you know, lots of horrific thoughts and I just think I have to speak about it because if I don't, what's the worst? The worst is I'm going to probably do it. And so that really was, again, just having the moment of of some form of clarity and, and again, I always weigh weigh things up as a worst-case situation and and then just take the, the one that's not as bad. It might still be bad, but just take the one that's least bad. So really that that's for me, like that's been my survival throughout life is just looking at worst case and I don't want that, so what can we do so you're not going to go down that worst case scenario? But I guess what you know, I, I, I take from that and why I'm really passionate about women or, and, and men in business or, or just in general is that, you know, I think it's about the communication, like we've got social media and we've got all these things, but we're losing that connection with people. We think we're connected and we are, but at a superficial level and it's not the connection that we really need, that soulful, purposeful communication where we're able to discuss our deep, darkest moments without being judged. You're not your thoughts, 
you know, those thoughts are there for a reason. Maybe it's just that situation and that's not going to define you. For me, I definitely think right up until the boys were probably four or five, I really struggled with my mental health. It was a long journey of sometimes going off it because I thought I was okay, thinking, yes, I've, you know, I've, I've, got I've gotten over it I'm I'm good like it's like I've won a medal and it's like now I look at myself like what were you trying to prove like you've got a mental illness you just got to like it's no different to having an asthma pump you just got to take what you've got to take to be well I started a page called perfectly imperfect mama when I had my uh, boy my youngest boy now because I could feel those symptoms starting to pop up again and I thought you know what like everybody looks at me and thinks I've got my shit together even though I'm very honest and forthcoming in in my experiences because I just think you have to be I, I just feel that if people look at me and think that I've got my shit together but I haven't in the past um, it's not my fault that's just life you know I can't help it I'm only human I want to I want to share that with people because I just feel that they need to understand that whilst you feel like it's not normal and maybe the situation isn't at that time, it's not abnormal and you're not the only person that is feeling like that. You might be the only person in your group that's brave enough to talk about it, but I can promise you that there's other people that are going through you know, some really hard times, some horrific thoughts, uh, you know, some, some really tragic stuff that they shouldn't have to be going through by themselves you know that digestion of all that negativity that you feel you can't impart on someone else is to me like an inflammation of the body that can only possibly make you sicker and so it's about purging that you know it's like vomiting you vomit to get the crap out like and this is what words are you know these words cut they can cut or they can heal and I think that you need to be able to purge that and and do so until you find someone that's truly going to listen to you. And they don't have to solve your problem. And this is and my advice to people who don't have a mental health illness or have an issue. You don't have to solve someone else's stuff. You don't. You can't. You're not going to understand their mind and how it works. They can't even. Doctors can't even. Because if they did, it would be fixed. There's no magical solution but you being supportive and having empathy for them and saying, I'll be here for you. Nothing you have to say makes sense, but I'm, I'm here for you and I'm going to help you get through it. That's all that people in my situation over these have wanted to know that you are there, you still love them, they want that validation again. They want the validation and they want the love because they've got, again, fear that they're going to be rejected. And it all comes back to that fear and that rejection of being different or not good enough and, and failing. And again, it's not your fault We've all got different makeups. We've all got different experiences. It's not a failure. Your physical makeup and your brain is part of that. Oh my goodness! I actually so said all well that without said. crying for once. Oh my goodness! Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I think it's so powerful, you know. And I think we don't talk about it enough, you know. And just having you so openly share that with us and. You know, I think so many of us are, might, might be in that state, that anxiety, depression. It's one of the highest, unfortunately, in today's day. It's, you know, one of the highest killers, unfortunately. So, you know, I think it's it's so valuable. And I know you did some work with Beyond Blue as well as their ambassador, which is phenomenal there. How did you, did that just naturally, 
did you put your hand up and go to them? How did that? Yeah, again, I did. I, I contacted them and initially they were appreciative, but there wasn't really anything that I could could do at the time. And I think there was a certain protocol that they had. Then a, a, an initiative through Jeff Kennett came up, Just Speak Up, and they contacted me because mm. I'd given them, I just said, look, I don't care what it is. I'm just more than happy to share my story. They did contact me to be part of that and that was just filming my story and then I was flown to Canberra to, to meet Jeff and which was beautiful mm. and just to launch the program. Amazing. And I do believe it's still up, so it's just speakup.com.au, I think. <laughs> um, and so you can hear more about my story on there. Apologies in advance, it's probably a bit of a tearjerker. Mm. But that was important for me because I just felt that even though at that time it was still so raw, mm. like I still was suffering really badly, again, I was really uncomfortable with it and I had to make that decision, do you want to do this because you're so uncomfortable, but not uncomfortable in a bad way. Mm. It's a, It was a, I need to do this because this is for the greater good. And so it was very, very difficult to do and very difficult for my husband to, to sit and witness and all that sort of stuff. It was, it was awful. But um, I do feel proud that I was able to do that because I just think that if one person can hear what I've got to say, they'll think, well, if she's been through this, it's, it's, it's okay. Like, and, and that's, I just, don't want someone to feel that ending their life is the answer because there's so much more and you can come through all of this. You know, depression is one of the easiest things to treat once the person that has it acknowledges that they have it and that it's not their fault and that they're willing to seek treatment. It's that not seeking treatment that's the killer. And so, you know, I have this conversation with my doctor a lot because I, I still take medication to this day, more for, for anxiety, that I have to accept that I don't always have a handle on. And so I have to take medication every day for that. There's been some years where I'm okay and then other times I'm like, you know what, I'm not. I just, I'm not. I don't always have my shit together. I, and it's, it's a mental illness for me. It's a hereditary thing in my family and, you know, I accept that now. I just go, it's just, it's just my lot in life. I've mm. just got to go with it. You know, one of the things that my doctor says is that, you know, it is, it is an easy thing to treat when people are ready to be treated. And it's, it's just getting that myth that, you know, it's somehow something you could have controlled or done differently. And it's not about things happen. You don't have to have a really horrific thing happen to you to get depressed. Like being depressed is a moment, but having depression is a mental illness. It's different. It's two different things. And so if it's going on every day for a long period of time, it's most likely that it's a mental illness. So, you know, I think it's important to get treatment, do things that you love, that fulfill you, that you feel passionate about and surround yourself with people that are going to help you do that. And so for me, strangely and oddly enough I still can't even believe I, I decided this but th at that point in time when I think the boys were at nine or ten months I just thought you know maybe you need just something to get up to that gives you some purpose other than just and I hate saying this just being a mum just no other than being a mum I'm gonna stop that word other than being a mum I felt like I needed another purpose just to give my brain a break because my my life was so saturated with 
boobs and bottles and and milk flow and sleeping routines and oh hell who am I kidding? I didn't have it. There was no sleep. With <laughs> there twins. was no routine. There was no sleep. There was like getting up a million times a night. Yeah, on that note, funny. I remember, you know, I'd be trying to put the one of them to bed because they always wake oh, up the same time. Terrible. I would be leaning on the side of the cot, into the cot, patting their back, but I thought, well, I'll, I'll use this as a chance to do some car phrases. Oh. So I'll just do calf raises while I'm patting you on the back. And then when I have to settle the other one, I'm like, okay, now this one I'm going to do pelvic floor. <laughs> well, I've just got to try and get my mind work off. Out. Yeah, I've got to try and do something other than just focusing on how mad I am that you both are awake right now. <laughs> but, yes, it was around that time that I then decided that I need to do something with the beauty side of things because I loved it. I found it really relaxing and I started looking at teaching makeup classes in people's homes because then I got to get out of the house I could do it on my terms and I always had people asking me how to do their own makeup. Not makeup artistry, but everyday beautiful, gorgeous women just enhancing their own their own lot in life and just how they could do that. So somehow <laughs> in all of that, I was able to hold my stuff together for an hour or two <laughs> to do that for other women. Huge. Oh my goodness. And I think so many of us women listening can really identify and I guess resonate with what you're saying. You know, I think it comes a point when things just get so bad, mm. you know, so tough, whether it is that we're dealing with a mental illness or just a really really bad time in our lives in terms of relationships maybe or a job that we just absolutely loathe. And I think there are those times where it's we almost push them to the side of our minds and think oh, well, it's not, or yeah. maybe it's, you know, whatever it is. We don't take that moment and acknowledge that we have anxiety mm. or this is really tough and there's really, it's out of our control in this moment. Mm. So I really love how you've touched on that. Oh, Thank my goodness, you. Bryony. Your story, so, so fascinating. I We have still so much more to dive into and I can't wait to do that, but we will wrap that for this episode. So, the third episode of the series is really part two of this. Yeah. It's diving into a dawn during that time mm. where, you, as you just mentioned, you started it in the midst of this chaos. Yeah. So we'll be diving deeper into that in the next episode and I'm so excited to hear. Yay, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Beauty, Business and Babies podcast brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. I hope there was something in today's episode that you found relatable and made you feel less alone. As women, we're all struggling with something on the inside, but we're often too afraid to ask for help. If there was something in this episode that you think might help another woman you know, please share it with them and let me know by screenshotting this episode and tagging me on social media at Bryony A. Kennedy and at Adorn Cosmetics. If you love what Adorn Cosmetics stands for, subscribe to this podcast right now and head to adorncosmetics.com.au to become an adorner and receive special offers on all things adorn. Thank you once again for listening and being part of my journey. I'll see you next time.